Are you looking for a simpler life? Real information from real people without all the BS we're bombarded with today? Well, hey, I'm Gary Collins, the host of Your Better Life podcast. Make sure to go check it out. I'm a former intelligence officer, special agent, entrepreneur, and I'm here to give you the facts and give it to you straight so you can live the life you want. And make sure to check out my website, thesimplelifenow.com, where I sell all of my best-selling books, The Simple Life Series, Going Off the Grid, Living Off the Grid, and just flat out kicking some ass. Make sure to check it out, guys. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. It's Friday, and it's time for your second episode of The Brian Nichols Show this week. That's right. If if you are a longtime subscriber, make sure you go back to your podcast catcher and check and see. We had an episode air there on Wednesday because, yes, my uh, behind-the-scenes extraordinaire, Corey, and I have been able to now... Um, now that I have Corey on on the team, produce some more content, so we're going to be dropping some more episodes. So yes, this is um, the second episode here for the week, my first episode back on Wednesday with the one and only Brad Palumbo. And hi, by the way, Brian Nichols here on the Brian Nichols Show. And of course, you're here in store for, yes, the phenomenal guest as mentioned in uh, the show title, and that is one uh, friendly face from friendly voice, and that is our good friend Austin Peterson from the Libertarian Republic. Um, but Austin is also um, radio host over at KWS, uh, KWOS rather, um, over the morning show there in Missouri. Um, and Austin is, is a, a good friend, been working uh, together at the Libertarian Republic now for, oh my goodness, going on six years, hard to imagine. Um, and, and with that, I wanted to have Austin on because Austin is is a libertarian, um, you know, I say a small L libertarian working in the Republican Party um, as that infrastructure to try to promote liberty. And uh, Austin, you know, he, two weeks ago, was... Uh, at a George Jorgensen event, and he was uh, basically going ahead and reading in Dr. Jorgensen um, for her her campaign stop. And two weeks fast forward, and we see the riots across the United States and you know, senators who are doing the right thing and, and trying to promote criminal justice reform like that of uh, Senator Rand Paul getting uh, attacked by mobs and riots. And Austin's starting to question um, what's going on here because that's, that's something's wrong. There, there, there's a big red flag, and, and it's led Austin to start questioning well maybe um going gold in 2020 isn't necessarily the right approach especially when considering how really it's a it's a big powder keg um right now with with just the tensions being at the level that they are so Austin joins the show today because I think he's bringing a much needed perspective to the conversation um so with that being said please enjoy today's episode share with family and friends but without further ado on to the show Austin Peterson here on the Brian Nichols show I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Absolutely. Awesome. Long time no talk. And uh, I think last time you were on, I think you were running for uh, the the U.S. Senate seat there in the great state of Missouri. So a lot obviously has transpired since 
you and I last spoke. Um, so let's kind of do a quick recap for my, my listeners who aren't familiar with you. You ran for uh, president as a libertarian in 2016, uh, ended up running for U.S. Senate out in the great state, as we mentioned, in Missouri as a Republican, uh, primarying that of uh, Josh Hawley, the, the notorious ladder climber that he is. And uh, now you're, you're leading a radio show out there in Missouri, um, and you're doing a great great job, obviously, there, but also over at the Libertarian Republic, where I'm still uh, you know, working with you guys. And Camilla, it's, it's a great, great organization. So... Right now, we're seeing a lot of things really go wrong in the world. And there's been a lot of libertarians who have been looking to see what's the best approach to, you know, the, the riots, the, the looting, and ultimately the protesting, right? Because I think it's unfair to not at least acknowledge that there is some correlation, some connection. So, Austin, in the past few weeks, you went from standing up with Dr. George Jorgensen, essentially, you know, introducing her on a campaign stop to now toying with the idea of maybe voting for President Trump. So with that being said, kind of set the stage. What got you, I guess, to the point where you're thinking of maybe pulling that lever for uh, for the Donald? Well, it's a long series of provocations. You know, after a long series of usurpations, you know, I'm not going to rewrite the Declaration of Independence here, but I'll just say that, you know, when there were there have been many incidents, the McCluskeys, uh, the armed lawyers in St. Louis, um, you know, initially I supported the protesters with the George Floyd incident and Derek Chauvin. You know, I can't breathe. I was very much uh, on the side of the protesters. I think we need criminal justice reform in this country. Uh, but those for those who have known me, I've always supported Second Amendment rights and believe that private property is absolutely intrinsic to libertarianism. And so when uh, in St. Louis, the McCluskeys defended their private property with AR-15s or and a pistol like, you know, I would envision if your private property is being defended. I don't care who it, who it was that was attacking you, if it's BLM supporters or uh, racist, homophobic, you know, white supremacists, you have a right to defend your private property. Um, and it kind of threw me for a loop when I saw that so many liberta- people who call themselves libertarians were criticizing the McCluskey, saying, how dare they protect their private property here? And I realized that there was a problem and that so many of these libertarians had had Trump derangement syndrome. I was starting to recognize it amongst people that I knew and people, the people that I loved and cared about and was realized they were being so irrational. But then when I had done what I would always do, which would be to defend the right to defend private property against anyone. And, and you know how I love AR-15s anyway. I thought it was a great story, and then there was a backlash against me. And, you know, of course, you do that, and you're lumped in with the fascists and the white supremacists, et cetera, et cetera. So I realized, you know, this is these are the tactics that are going to be employed upon you no matter what you do. It doesn't matter. And and then the final straw was Rand Paul, with Rand Paul being the, the greatest example of it doesn't matter how much criminal justice reform that you support. It doesn't matter what liberal principles you as a libertarian espouse or are fighting for, because if you do not accept Marxism, then the leftists who are taking over our cities, who have taken over academia and who want to take over our government, hate you and want you dead. And the reason why I believe that to be a literal truth, not some not some hyperbole, is because after having covered not just the riots, but the, the pandemic, the coronavirus coverage, the way that the media has said, well, if you go to a Trump rally, you could get COVID and you're killing grandmother. And then and then when somebody like a, like Herman Cain, for example, gets coronavirus and dies, they were glad he was dead. They want him dead. They are evil. They are a they are the unique evil that they claim that Donald Trump is. And while I think that Donald Trump is not a libertarian and while he is in many ways distasteful to me and I've criticized him in the past and I ran against him in 2016, 
He is not the great evil that the left claims that he is. He has done more libertarian things that when we list them up, many my anarchist friends who are you know angry at me with this, I'll list the things he's done and they will, you know, sniff and just look down their noses and say, yes, yes, it's it's good. We we like this about him. He didn't take. He could have been a dictator when coronavirus came out and taken over full power. He didn't do it which we're happy of. But what about this comment that he made in 2006 about centralized <laughs> medicine? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, they want to move goalposts, you know, because people don't want to do what the well, same thing I don't want to do. I didn't want to change my mind. I didn't want to go to Joe Jorgensen's rally and then have these second thoughts. But I couldn't, I can't watch Rand Paul for the third time be assaulted and think to myself that this is allowed to continue. When, 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 when they criminalize self-defense, then, then you'll take, you may have to take every step. I don't want to be Kyle Rittenhouse. I believe we have the right to be Kyle Rittenhouse, but probably a vote for President Donald Trump is the last nonviolent act that liber anyone who loves liberty can take before we get down, if before it gets to where we all have to be Kyle Rittenhouse. See, I just had Brad Palumbo on the show, a mutual friend there, Brad, and and. I was talking to Brad, and I, I said, yeah, I think the Rand Paul thing, that's that's more than people realize what it is. Like, Rand, and, and you just spoke to it. Rand's been, he faces, this is the third time now. He had, he had crazy neighbor break his lungs, puncture, uh, break his rib, puncture lung. You have getting shot at on the congressional baseball field where Steve Scalise almost lost his life. And now this, yeah, him, this third time, him and his wife walking, you know, two blocks from. Being surrounded by an angry mob being threatened, told they were going to kill you, just like the McCloskeys were in, in St. Louis, told we're going to kill you, we're going to kill your dog. And then some libertarians had the audacity, Brian, to tell me that they were that they were peaceful, that they didn't do anything wrong, that you don't have the right to point guns at them. But Brian, this is why I rejected the non-aggression principle so long ago, because so many- You got in so much trouble. <laughs> they are, yes, but, the, but here's the thing, you know, what's funny is the libertarians who say you don't understand the aggression principle that's like saying that you 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 don't support it because you're stupid but here's the problem i get to say that too if you support the non-aggression principle you are stupid and some of the people who support the non-aggression principle are stupid and evil and the reason why is because they are evil is because just like bernie sanders you could say bernie sanders means well all day long but if his principles cause more pain and suffering in the world he's evil so it, you so know why you believe in the non-aggression principle, except that it is because you never evolved past a third grade uh, moral and ethical framework, except that you that you make moral equivalencies between the United States and the Soviet Empire, and accept that accept that, and that's okay. But you go play level one politics, and then you know. I'll see and then I'll, you know, I'll go play level two and three. And I just can't, I don't have time to teach to the D students all the time, Brian. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to be lectured to about morality by people who think that it's okay to kill the unborn. Yeah. I don't feel the need to be lectured to by on morality or ethics or philosophy by people that think you can sell heroin to five-year-olds or people who would say we don't need age of consent laws. So I don't feel the need to be lectured by morality by that segment. So you can nap, you can be a napsy all day long. Uh, and I will be for private property. Well, and it really comes down to like getting past this. Like, I, 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 there's one thing to d discuss, you know, the, the ideology and, and really like the game theory out. Like, how will this really build Libertopia? Mm. Yeah, but yeah. 
you have to live. Like, we have to look at what the cards are being played right now, and, and yeah. you have to play the game. Like, you can't come in and play Monopoly and be like, well, I'm going to change the rules to the entire game. It's like, well, we're already playing the game. You can't just do that. They're like, well, I'm going to. That's kind of the game that Libertarians have been playing. And to your point, really, politics is a game. I, mean, I remember you and I, when I was, uh, I, I drove you there from the airport that one time, and we talked about this in the car. Like, politics is a game of of really controlling power. That's what it comes down to. And right now, there's only two parties, really, that have the means of controlling power, the red team and the blue team. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of libertarians are starting to to realize that if the libertarian party continues to relegate itself to third place, intentionally or not, that a lot of the liberty-leading folk, they're not going to go to the libertarian party. They're not going to gravitate towards the party as an infrastructure because as an infrastructure, it's not... It's not showing any success that you can look back and say, oh, yeah, I feel like if I cast my vote for the LP that I actually have a chance of having my ideals enacted into policy. And in this case, it is an idea of trying to limit the scope and scale of government, but libertarians have been too stuck in the purity test that we push all the good folks away. Right, well, right, well, right. Well, Brian, well, consider this. I mean, you know, the point of the 2016 presidential election cycle was to set up a candidate so that in 2020 there would be an even stronger candidate. And you know, I think that inarguably, maybe arguably, you know, the Libertarian Party did not do that for their candidate this cycle, because if Gary Johnson was deeply committed to building the Libertarian Party beyond what he did there, he would have been getting, you know, getting out there for Joe Jorgensen, stumping for her, fighting to continue the party, you know, rather than it being some individual effort about himself. And so, you know, part of me was sort of uh, turned off by the Libertarian Party because they allowed themselves to be swindled and hoodwinked and bought out by someone like Gary Johnson and his and his crew. And there's still a lot of people that think, you know, that he, you know, they, they kissed the ground he walked on like he was, you know, second coming of Christ or what have you. But, you know, you can't reason with people who are unreasonable. But I mean, I don't blame Joe Jorgensen for some of the problems that she faces right now. These problems are bigger than Joe Jorgensen or Spike would, would ever have the ability to do. Even if Gary Johnson showed up and continued to stump through all four years to hand over this torch to her so she'd be ready to go and get out there. And if the media attention was the same, but it's just it's just not. She doesn't she's not getting the chance to play the cards that Gary Johnson got to play. There was much more interest in 2016 for the Libertarian Party and therefore their message. And the opportunity was there. The platform was there. It's not there now. And, and that's not the Libertarian Party's fault. And, you know, Joe, could you know, could I offer criticism, say she could do this a little better, she could do that a little better? Yes. But it doesn't matter because it wouldn't over impact yeah. the overall problems. We have a pandemic. We have a public health crisis. We have uh, uh, riots that are devolving into race riots in our country, and we have an economy that is on the brink, stable one day, unstable the next, you know, a disconnect between small and family businesses that can't or aren't allowed to operate with a stock market that is exploding in Tesla electric cars. Like we, we can't keep our businesses open, but we can somehow afford electric cars. Right. And there are Tesla stock prices, this unbelievable thing. Something's out of whack, you know? And so if libertarians don't meet people where they are, can't meet people where they are, or won't meet people where they are, you know, I, I'm more interested as a libertarian in meeting people where they are. And, you know, I may be more well-known for my failures than I am for my successes, but I'm still willing to take big risks to try and, like this one, you know, and uh, try and get a chance to bend people's ear and the other day, Brian, I don't know if you saw this tweet, but this lady, super hardcore Trumper, she's like, who is this Calvin Coolidge? I've heard so much. I've heard things about it. Did you see that? 
Yeah. And this MAGA Trump 2020 Keep America Great Lady is like, I need to look more into Calvin Coolidge. And I'm like, this is why this is worth it. This yes. is why it's worth it for me to do this and to have this conversation. This is helping. People say it's not helping. I think what I'm doing is helping. Oh, no, change my mind. No, you're, you absolutely, no, I'm not gonna change your mind because you're right. Because I've been a big proponent of the idea of we need more voices, not less. And that's why I hate, hate, hate the mentality that we have in the greater liberty movement of these purity tests. Because honestly, at the end of the day, what do they accomplish? We I mean, what, you're more right than somebody else? Congratulations. I like, know. I like being more impure. I think, you know, some of the things, and I've changed my mind, like when I was in my early Ron Paul days, like I really prided, you know, I was like, Ron Paul is so consistent. That's a good thing. And then like, I was like, wait a minute. Well, you can be consistently wrong. And like then Bernie I Sanders. thought about, yep. yeah, you, or you can be like, or you could say, you know, like, what was it? Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said that a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of simple minds. You know, and I was just kind of like, ah, wow, you know, I've been thinking about things so one dimensionally and so black or white, you know, how do I, you know, broaden and diversify my thoughts and, and views so that I can, you know, have more nuanced and, you know, some things are maybe black and white, like maybe the decision between Trump and Biden is pretty black and white, but not everything is. It's just unfortunate that, you know, these nuanced conversations don't emerge more often. And, you know, you kind of have to get to discussions like what you and I are having by sort of taking a blunt instrument like I have with Twitter. Yep. Well, I mean, it's the it's the inevitable outcome of our bumper sticker society. I mean, everybody kind of lives in this this sloganeering, um, you know, it's a quick, instant gratification lifestyle. So, like, you know, it's like the drive by media that Rush would so um, you know, accurately call, but it is because it, it really is. It's you, you go from one hits job, one hit story to the next. And like, you don't have time to recuperate. I mean, God, judge Kavanaugh was what three years ago now. And that was at the time, the biggest news story of the news cycle. And now fast forward three years, how many, you know, earth shattering news stories have we had in the past three years, but partly due to the fact that each, you know, insane story that's promoted by the, the left has, has been, it has to, it honestly has to be more sensational than the one before. Cause otherwise you're, I mean, if you're an audience, why are you going to tune back in? Cause you always want to see what the next crazy thing's going to be. And I mean, we've gotten to the point now, Austin, we have coronavirus and everybody has been locked down for, in some cases, six months at this point. Yes. And I don't, I don't get where the disconnect comes, right? Like the libertarian party has such an amazing opportunity to reach really a group of Americans that it's, it's in the millions. And we can say, listen, we are the party that's speaking against the lockdowns, number one, and we're standing against these insane riots and yet crickets. And I, I, I can't help but question if it's intentional or if it's, it's just blatant, not understanding how politics works. I don't want to be so cynical, but I mean, Austin, it's like, there is such a great opportunity right now. What is the libertarian party missing? There is a good opportunity. And I mean, I really think it has a lot to do with uh, the lockdowns and the the impact it's had on our economies. So one of the things that I've done is in the last several months is to interview small business owners who live in communities where they've uh, required to operate at like 25% capacity. And they are choked because they get in a situation where there's a lot of pressure to take these small business loans, for example. And so if they if they take these loans, they're required to re- remain operational. But then the, the state or local governments often will force them to operate, but only at 25% capacity. And you can't 
you have to pay your full staff because in order to meet the PPP obligations, but you can't operate at full capacity because you have to meet the state and you know county and local guidelines. So I mean, consider these problems that are like these are gigantic problems for for the mom and pop shops, the small businesses, and there's an approach, there's a marketing approach there, an opportunity to say to those people, get them fired up and rallied behind your cause and say, hey, listen, you know, as small business is the backbone of the American economy, you know, we want to be the party of small business, right? I mean, that's how I would adapt the same plan that I had at strategic plan I had in 2016 was to, you know, get those small business owners on board and make that the kind of marketing going forward rather than the kind of dance naked on stage, sell heroin to five-year-olds approach, right? What is the LEPO approach? Right. But, you know, libertarians are very bad at reading the tea leaves because it's like, you know, being autistic and you can't read people's faces or their emotions. Libertarians are sort of autistic in that sense, in that we are so uh, left brain, so hard. Many, many of us, not my not me, I'm right brained as hell. But most libertarians, I think, are extremely left brained and they don't like the sort of they don't tend to like their salesmen. Right. The engineers want to think that they need to write the copy and the press releases and do the public appearances and it's kind of like no and then they hate the people who are their salespeople, uh like your wayne roots your bob bars or you know people who like can talk to normies or muggles non-magic folk you know and not scare them off but yep. you know some people some people enjoy it like rothbard even talked about many of these people he called them luftmenschen um and he you know air airmen these are people who they they wanted to be counterculture Meaning that they were, they found it more important to virtue signal that they were a part of a culture than they found it to actually enact any kind of a policy. But they still believe that what they're doing is having some kind of an impact, whilst not thinking, you know, in terms of party, party discipline, you know, you have to work and move together as a block. You know, just like when I said I'd vote for Gary Johnson in 2016, despite all the insanity, I did it because I wanted to demonstrate the loyalty of my, that my word is my bond, and that you know that I can you know, follow and have discipline. And I did, but, um, these, these are concepts that are, you know, you're taking a collectivist sort of approach, right. Which is what government is collective action. And, you know, you're trying to get individuals on board and for the most part, they're like, eh, I just want to get high. <laughs> well, right now, we, I mean, we do, we have a, a situation where I think that that split between sales and engineering is still very much. I mean, it's actually funny you use those exact words because that's the exact terminology I've used in the show. Because my day job, it's in it's in sales, right? And I deal with engineers quite literally all the time. And at the end of the day, you're you're trying to sell value, right? And when you're selling value, yeah, the 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 meat and potatoes, all the technical garbage, garbage, like it means stuff, but. When you're trying to instill that emotional connection with somebody that's like, oh, this is how it's going to help me. That's the part that a lot of libertarians miss. And I think, unfortunately, it's because the left and the right have so monopolized, I guess not monopoly, it'd be in this case the duopoly, of, of uh, really taking the emotions of the American public and using it as a weapon, as a tool in this case. And, I mean, I think the Libertarian Party is honestly wasting their time going after folks who, I mean, let's be real, I just looked at some recent polling, and Joe Jorgensen's at 3%, and Howie Hawkins, who ran for Congress um, back in my old home district in New York 21, ran for governor back in uh, 2018 against Larry Sharp, he's pulling at 2%. So, like... <sighs> Unfortunately, I don't think people realize that your average American, they're, yeah, they like the idea of, you know, some a nice lady like Joe Jorgensen being president, but at the end of the day, they're looking for a leader, and the Libertarian Party has not been a party that leads, and 
to think that the Libertarian Party is just going to you know, swoop in and start leading a country of 330 million people when we haven't even been able to really get anybody elected higher than, than what, uh, controller? Uh, I mean, it, it, that's pretty much, or, or commissioner for a county? We have to, to get some skins in the wall. Um, but unfortunately, the good people are leaving the, the, the party because right now the, the Libertarian Party hasn't really shown too much infrastructure. Austin, I guess the question I'd want to circle to you is, What's the best way going forward? Is it going to be, and that is to promote liberty, is it going to be going towards one of these major two parties and obviously you're taking the route of the GOP? Or do you think there is merit in trying to to maintain at least the Libertarian Party, trying to get people on the ballot, but actually using it as a means to enact policy and electoral success? Well, probably what what I've read from history is about every 30 years, in the United States, there is interest in a third party. So it's about every 30 years, you'll have a, we have a cycle that people kind of get fed up with the back and forth between the two major parties. They start to look at a third party candidate. The last time uh, we had that, I believe, was 2016. And then before that, there was Ross Perot's movement. And then, you know, you could go back all the way to like the, um, you know, uh, the Republican Party was a third party, right? So, um, but... Um, I, that means that we've probably got about another 25 years before Americans, you know, just if history is our, our guide, maybe there'll be a, a groundswell of popular support for a third party somehow. I don't see that happening because circumstances really have to be aligned for something like that to occur. We're not in that. We're in a very, very, very highly polarized environment where people are looking at these choices in very stark black or white terms, for better or for worse. And if I'm looking at that scenario such as it is and understanding the the game that we're playing as it's laid, not the game that I wanted to play, not the game that I tried to play. Please remember, I wanted to win the nomination of the Libertarian Party. I wanted to build the Libertarian Party. I wanted to be a part of the Libertarian Party's long-term success. But the reason why I took such a drastic change was because of it was because my decision in, and also my supporters' decisions, but my big decision based on the fact that after having watched the nomination process and then watching Gary Johnson's, you know, I won't say behavior, I'll just say performance, I was convinced that there would be no ability to maintain momentum between what Gary had done to this next election. Even like, People said, Austin, you should run again in four years and win the Libertarian nomination, right? I still think that Joe Jorgensen probably would have actually beat me um, because I think in comparison to Libertarians, what Libertarians want and what the, the country wants, the Libertarians want somebody to tell them they're pretty. They want someone to tell them, just like everybody else does, they want someone to tell them that they're great, they're fine, they're perfect, that we, are, we have all the answers, that they're all wrong, that they're all crazy that we don't need any we don't need to change anything we don't need to do we don't need to do anything different we don't need to we don't need to do this or we don't need to do that we just need to be exactly what we are do do exactly what we've been doing and things will be different they will get a different outcome this time even when we're going to do the same thing that we've always done and i saw that that mindset was embedded within the party and that if you came in even if like picture this like it's not like i was some republican before or like was out there like I was a libertarian for a decade for since I started my my career. I was worked in the office, the National Con- Convention, supported Gary Johnson twice. You know what I mean? Only supported Ron Paul because he was you know a libertarian before. 
So, I mean, but I was treated as if I was some kind of an outsider. And I realized when I was, when I was trying to reform the party to, that I had to tell them some difficult truths, but that that was at odds at being a successful candidate. I realized too late that in my attempt to reform the party to make it a leaner, meaner fighting machine that was more valuable to the public, that in losing, that in gaining the public support, because remember, I did get a lot of outside support from the part, like outside the party, the, the public liked me, the Libertarian Party didn't like me, but the Libertarian Party needs to change so that they are more, they're, so they're supposed to be go, set, breeding public servants. And I, you know, I'm not an anarchist. So the whole point is to win elections so that you can be good governors, good representatives, good statesmen, good, good, good presidents, good, you know, uh, just judges example. Right. But, but you know what I realized, Brian, is that I, I, I couldn't find a person at that convention, maybe two or three that I would ever put in charge of any, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire them as a babysitter, um, let alone let them run a mayoral. I did not see the talent, Brian, that was necessary. The talent wasn't there and the desire to build the talent wasn't there. It, I saw a group of people who everything that they claim is wrong with the Republican Party and with the Democratic Party was wrong with them. They were more interested in a cult of personality and building up an individual personalities rather than they were building the party or the movement. They didn't they weren't interested in what I had done to build up an internship program there before anybody ever did it. That that. The Libertarian Party's national office was a dead office when I walked in. There was no one there. And I it was like freaking Harry Potter uh, with a magic wand. After like three months, that place was bustling with activity. And and I did all of that to, to build up the party, and I wanted to do it again. But, you know, again, you know, the it became they became the Libertarian Party was in 2016 what the Democratic Party was. The Libertarian Party and the Democratic Party took the same approaches. They, they wanted the solid statesman with experience, and this is what America wants. But they just, they weren't paying attention to what normies really wanted, and the normies voted for Donald Trump, and they won. They did win, and uh, Austin, you're doing your part because you're speaking to those normies still uh, because you've been reaching out to them via radio, the ter- terrestrial radio still over at KWOS, and your, your radio show has been fantastic. You're reaching people. I mean, I heard your episode. You or episode, <laughs> You can tell I'm a podcaster. Mm-hmm. Your interview slash, I guess, phone call you had with um, the old lady who called in talking about Trump, it was, it was adorable, but it was great because you're reaching people that otherwise we're probably not going to talk to. So with that being said, mm-hmm. for folks who want to go ahead and uh, even though they don't live in the greater Missouri, area they can still go ahead and tune in and listen to you in the mornings where can they go ahead and find you it's easy if you're on facebook it's the kwos morning show with austin peterson and john marsh that's the facebook page we live stream it six to nine a.m central but you can always find me over my twitter or facebook ap for liberty ap for liberty will find me anywhere facebook twitter instagram ap the number four ap for liberty and uh yeah you'll post all my thoughts and opinions and uh, hopefully not trigger too many more responses like this one or maybe it's good i don't know it just it the hatred is yeah i know the hatred is a lot to bear i'm trying to trying to pe- be peaceful anyways <laughs> thanks so much appreciate you brother absolutely awesome all right so i was gonna wrap up my conversation with austin peterson from kwos and 
from the Libertarian Republic. Good friend and uh, definitely always a great conversation with Austin. Uh, so do me a favor. Go ahead and follow Austin on, on social media, like he said on Twitter, at AP for Liberty. Um, but as for me, where do you want to go ahead and follow me on social media? Well, you know the, 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 come on guys, you know where to follow me. It's B Nichols Liberty, Facebook, Twitter, and yes, minds.com, B Nichols Liberty. Go ahead and tag me, but also make sure you go ahead and tag Austin in today's episode and, uh, let us know what you thought. Um, do you agree? Do you disagree, uh, with, with Austin's take? Love to hear the perspective. And of course, please keep it civil. I mean, I shouldn't have to tell you guys this because you're the best audience in the world. I know you guys are the most civil audience in the world. So please, of course, keep it um, that way when we go ahead and engage in these fun little dialogues with our guests. And otherwise, hey, if you want to have a dialogue with me, well, you're going to have to go ahead and send me an email at brian at com. Yes, it is really that easy. Brian at com. Or ha <laughs> ha how about this? If you want to get in touch uh, with my behind the scenes extraordinaire, it's Corey and it's Corey at BrianNicholsShow.com, so you can go ahead and shoot Corey or uh, myself an email, and I, I'd want to hear from you, obviously, if you enjoyed the show, comments, questions, concerns, um, things you like, things you don't like, things you'd like to hear differently, or if you have some guest ideas, and I, and I say that because literally my next, like, bajillion weeks are filled with guests, and all these guests are coming from you guys, the audience, so I'm going to ask you again to please continue to send your guest suggestions, your ideas, and, and if you represent a guest um, or somebody who would be interested in being on The Brian Nichols Show, again, email me, brian at com. And final ask, guys, uh, rating review would be greatly appreciated. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be preferable if you would not be, uh, if you would not mind and be so, be so inclined, right? If you do not mind and be so inclined. I like that. Well, do you like that? Let me know. Otherwise, hey, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Austin Peterson. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.